Today's guest is Major Ed Dames, U.S. Army retired. He is the world's premier psychic spy, and he has served as the training and operation officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency's top secret psychic intelligence unit. Currently, he serves as the director for the Matrix Intelligent Agency, a private consulting group, and he's here with us today. Major Dames, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. My audience is really interested in near-death and out-of-body experiences, so can we please just simply start with what is remote viewing, and how is that different than astral traveling or having an out-of-body experience? Remote feeling is a mind tool, strictly a mind tool. It has nothing to do with one's spirituality, generally speaking. And uh, uh, in, 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 the, in, the, in the former military unit, there was a, a period where we did use altered states. We put, uh, we put a viewer into, it's called extended remote viewing now, into an altered state where, where they're right on the borderline between wakefulness and sleep. And that's when we give them the military target. Uh, in, a, in a, a blank envelope, the target photo is inside, something like that. But uh, I abandoned that as the training officer for the unit because coordinate remote viewing discovered by Ingo Swan in Stanford Research Institute uh, in the laboratory was far more successful in, in terms of accuracy, at, at which, of course, in the military, we need that. If you're going to deal with deadly force or like in life or death situations, you want to be accurate. So, uh, so in, in an altered state, that's still not, you're still not out of body or that's not astral travel. It's still a mind tool. We try to employ out of body experiences uh, to no avail or astral travel as the civilians call it, to no avail. Because uh, for instance, uh, I had a young Lieutenant on the bed in a darkened room. I'm, I'm sitting at a table and transcribing notes while he's on target. And I tried to put him into an, uh, an out-of-body state, but and he went, he, he, and he was gone. He couldn't communicate with me any, anymore, as you might know. So uh, I pop him back about 10 minutes later. He started to fall asleep. And I said, Wilson, what, what gives? He said, sir, you're not going to believe this. I'm perched up here at the top of the room looking down at you and me. And all of a sudden, I said, Wilson, did you get the, did you get the information on that trans that scud transporter erector launcher? Is it fueling in the Czech forest right now, uh, sir? You wouldn't believe it was such an amazing. You you get the bit gist. It wasn't useful as a military tool, as a personal development tool, I'm sure. But I I have no time to experiment with that. So that's the difference between uh, remote viewing strictly a mind tool, strictly mind. Everything exists in the universe as a pattern of information. This is our working hypothesis. How it actually works, we don't know. We leave that to the academicians and the scientists to figure out. You know, our, we have a job to do. So if it's not broken, don't fix it. Everything exists as a pattern of information. And mind can tune in to these patterns in space and time. And we've learned how to do that, both in the laboratory. And then later, it was my job to take the discovery discovery being the syntax and grammar, for, uh, so to speak, of how unconscious communicates accurately with conscious awareness. Very systematic tool. I'll go into that momentarily. Well, we, I took my job is to take that into the deep, dark world of military intelligence, massage it into an information collection skill that we could use in, in, on the battlefield. So, uh, and that has a long history. But it's again, it's strictly a mind tool, not a spirit. No, if anybody says anything like spiritual remote viewing, run, because that has nothing to do with with spirit. It's all mind. When you say you get them into an altered state, would you have them go through some kind of deep breathing or some kind of relaxation? Uh, no, breathing? no, it was electronic, uh, Jeff. It was electronic. What we did, we had we had the individuals laying in a bed in a darkened room. Mm-hmm. I, as a, I, I, as a facilitator, had a little table with a red light so to keep this guy under and would transcribe things. But they were electrically wired up. So we were measuring the voltage from the knee to the top of the head and a few other things, too. And when the voltage dropped 
a whole body voltage because your, your, your brain is a great electrical generator. I mean, it's an oscillator. Mm -hmm. Your heart as well, although the heart's magnetic field is greater than the, than the brain's uh, electrical field. So we wired up and when, when you could use either an analog meter or an oscilloscope. In the case of the analog meter, when the voltage slipped down and hit zero, that's when you give the viewer the target. And in the case of an oscilloscope, when you had a 180 flip in the sine wave, target that the viewer is ready for the target, right on the verge, right on the edge of sleep and, and, and consciousness. And they're, they're, they were able to talk, but the voice was very slurred. And you had to be very careful as a, a monitor facilitator not to bounce them back up in, into conscious awareness or they would lose the target. The targets, and I've been under it too, they're very interesting. It is almost an experience where remote viewing is nothing but an experience. It's, not, it's strictly work, like playing the piano. I'll, I'll get back into that momentarily. But you're looking in an in, in, in extended remote viewing in an altered state. You're looking at the target. It's, there, it's black and white, and you're look, it's, it's very myopic. You're looking at a target through a tube, and it's very, it's very accurate, but it's not it, – you can, you can get to the target. But in terms of dimensionality, the distance between this gun and this person, this bomb, and this, all those things are lost. You can't, you, you lose your sense of perspective in, the, in that modality. That's why as training officer, I shifted everybody to this new technology, new in 1984, uh, coordinate remote view. And it's evolved in the last 35 years to become much more accurate and uh, it was originally conceived by folks at the, at the CIA as uh, a, a tool to collect as much accurate information about a technical target in as short a period of time as possible. So a remote viewing session, a technical remote viewing session is what I've developed. It's about 40, 45 minutes in duration with a break if you need it at a certain point. And if, uh, you can solve about two thirds of the projects in, in about 45 uh, minutes. For more complex things, the etiology of the disease, the hydrogen leak on the space shuttle, those kinds of things, or uh, for instance, the contract I did for the late Lawrence Rockefeller, atmospheric ozone depletion, projected consequences and remedial technologies, those kinds of things take a team of four to five professionals a week to solve. So are That's you, a mouthful. Yeah. Are you saying that you're just kind of running a low-level current through the body So then, and then you watch a meter? No. No. The body is generating the, the current. Oh, okay. Uh, the, okay. So, and we're measuring the voltage mm -hmm. and we're putting, we're putting somebody down without using drugs. Now, the Russian, the GRU, uh, the, the Soviet military – for Soviet military intelligence, they attempted to use drugs, but drugs don't work. Yeah. Because you think uh, if you use a mind-expanding drug, Halcyon, LSD, or something uh, akin to those, they are mind-expanding. But what happens, technically speaking, the dynamics are: you think of your uh, your the modem on your computer, but it's managing all this all the stuff that's out there, which is infinite, almost in number in, ter in terms of information. But it's managing that. If you take if you disconnect the modem from your computer, now you have access to the entire internet, right? Yeah. Well, this is akin or analogous to what happens in the mind-expanding drug. You have no modem. You have no control over getting to your target, even even the the, the, the memory of what the target was. So that's not useful in terms of of. In fact, they killed one young troop uh, overdose. It's not useful in terms of military and, and, and information collection. Uh, but in, in our work, in technical remote viewing, your eyes are open. It's not a relax, lay back, and tell me what you see. Uh -uh, none of that. And in fact, I'll hit the viewers over the head if they even close their eyes. Closing your eyes invites imagination, for one thing. Not to get it too technical. There's a, there's a lot of technicalities that we learn. But it, 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 it's a three-part process. One is setting up the target, which is complex. And, and maybe on another show, I'll go into some of that. Uh, running the sessions, and that's the hard part for viewers to learn because you are not allowed to think when you're remote viewing. 
your eyes are open, you're moving through a set of protocols for 45 minutes, very similar uh, to play, uh, for instance, and analogously to playing the piano. You don't, the, the sheet music is akin to our protocols or operational protocols, very different than laboratory protocols. And so we're going through point to point to point to point, pulling information from our superconscious, which is, and we're in a theta state electrically, our, our brains are in a theta state. Yeah. For instance, if, you, if you're a jogger and you get in that groove, or you just still drove down the freeway and you can't remember the last 10 minutes, you're in a theta state. Yeah, we can talk about other states later. Yeah. Uh, so we're in a theta state and we're, we're downloading, when we get our unconscious to the target and then the unconscious takes over from there and delivers up information, the conscious awareness, we write that down, write it down, and then we keep on moving for 45 minutes. Uh, so, for instance, if you're playing the piano, you don't stop and think about the note that you just played or the music stops. So you're not allowed to think. And this is the frustrating part for a new remote viewer trainee because we experience the, the learning process as we grow up. We learn by studying something. But remote viewing is direct knowledge. Bam. You know, there's no learning involved. You download the information directly from the target. In terms of, of all kinds of, of information, you, you begin with sensory impressions, and that turns into higher level things, uh, intangible ideas about a target, and the tangible things that are present at a target uh, as well. So by the time we're finished with the session, now the third part is data analysis. Data analysis does require you to be back in your left brain, the analytical part of your brain, where as we grow up in terms of the English language, the concatenation of subject, verb, object, that kind of thing like that. The reason that I speak fluent Chinese and I've lived in China, the reason why the Chinese and other uh, uh, Asian cultures that employ ideographic languages have a higher IQ is because they're, 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 the ideograms, each of the characters is really a, a pictogram, a picture. Mm -hmm. And so you, they have to analyze the picture and then place that in, in, in context, which is linear. So they're using both the right and left side of the brain in terms of that analogy. They're using both sides of the brain, which gives them a higher IQ. Where in the Western world, everything is linear, time, everything. But in the remote field, we're in, we're in the right brain, as a, the same way a painter would paint. Mm -hmm. I mean, a good painter. <laughs> right. That's amazing that you brought that up. I knew that the Japanese language had those kind of pictogram characters along with letters. Kanji, but I, I, I didn't realize Chinese had the same thing as well. Well, no, the Japanese got their character, kanji and katakana, from the Chinese language. Chinese has a, 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 as a scholar... Uh, let's say a postgraduate scholar, mm -hmm. uh, you 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 need to know about thirty thousand characters, thirty yeah. to thirty-two thousand to read a newspaper, five hundred to one thousand. Yes. So, and there is a very 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 comp. It took me more than fourteen years to to learn to to write uh, and, and to write Chinese because the stroke orders are are not willy nilly. They have to be in a certain order. That's why calligraphers are you know, so beautiful. Yeah. It, it starts from it starts from the idea of a picture, the moon, for instance, you know, and a person walking or running. Would you say then that the Chinese would make better remote viewers? Uh, well, I've taught a lot of Asians. My sons are half Chinese, and um, any Asian would make a better remote viewer because of the. Uh, for the reasons that I just, the aforementioned reasons. Mm -hmm. I haven't taught that many Asians, uh, but enough to, to know that there's a distinct difference in the way they process incoming uh, information. I was watching one of your recent YouTube videos and you were talking about the morphogenetic field in that video. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, Rubik Sheldrake, uh, there's only two books that I recommend that my students read, only two. Uh, one is uh, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Professor Emeritus uh, for, uh, Betty Edwards, because we uh, drawing is very helpful in our work. Uh, 
in, in several stages. And the other book is Rupert Sheldrake's, the, pre, the original book, The Presence of the Past, where he talks about the morphogenetic field. And he uses in that book, he says, he has theories that have subsequently been proven. But in that, that book, he talks about, for instance, uh, the great tit in England. The birds, the bird population of the great tits in the northern part of the UK were in the old days were pulling, were, were pecking through the foil uh, wrapper on the top of glass milk bottles. You probably too young to remember that milk bottles used to be delivered on the doorstep in the winter. So the, the great tits were pecking through that to drink the milk. And, sp- and o- almost weeks later, a population, a colony, of great tits in the southern part of the country were doing the same thing and there was no connection between them were known so this is an example of what sheldrake means by the morphogenetic field his term we use the same field in our work too a mind field if you, if you will a universal mind where this behavior this positive behavior which picked up by the southern uh, colony and in my in my uh, other YouTube videos at majordamesnews.com, I talk about how viruses can uh, a, a, a afford themselves of that same connection in order to, be, to outsmart things like vaccines. That's mm. how they're mutating was from the morphogenetic field or just outsmart. That's p- partially. That may be. I don't know. I'd have to study it. But I do know that they're they're mute. There's they're, cross information is crossing between different populations. And I don't know if that's what, what's, what's causing the mutations, because mutations are normally caused by a toxicological insult, an environmental insult, radiation or something like that. But these viruses now are, uh, for instance, the uh, COVID-19, has uh, the mutations are going nuts. They're really speeding up. So I think the virus has learned how to avail itself of this field and communicate with all you know as a swarm intelligence and it's outsmarting us the aids fact the aids uh, epidemic outsmarted us um creutzfeldt jacobs disease uh bovine spongiform encephalopathy that outsmarted us it remains latent in the brain for up to 10 years wakes up and starts chomping away that's pretty smart we haven't killed right that's interesting to, to think about that if these diseases or viruses or bacteria have some kind of collective consciousness that they're communicating with each other. Yeah, because their pattern is the same. For instance, in our work, uh, in terms of gestalts and archetypes, a, a remote viewer in basic training who's given a blind target, they don't know what the target is, they're just given a number that's associated with, with the target. If, if their target is a, a mountain or a mountain range, it's perceived archetypically as the same thing. A mountain and the mountain range are, are perceived archetypically as the same thing. You think about the DNA between twins. Let's say, a, 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 I mean, a twin, the D, DNA is identical. So it's just like tuning forks, right? You, you hit one tuning fork and the other one resonates in the same room. Well, DNA twins is the same thing. They can be parsecs away and in different times. But if one, the one will respond to the other. You, you know, we, we, we know these stories about twins growing up because their DNA is identical and the symmetry is important. Very, very important. I don't want to get into technicalities about how in the future, when we looked at how spaceships communicate with each other, a la, what's a Star Trek? It, it's instantaneous because of entangled particles and, and entangled because of the what we discovered as the way entanglement works. So even though in terms of physical travel, these particular space travelers are distant, their communication is instantaneous when they develop these boxes. And we watched in the future how technologies develop this. So it's coming. We can get into dreams. If you have a recurring dream, Mm -hmm. that may be really important. For instance, if a person has a recurring dream of a battle over and over, it doesn't go away, that could be your unconscious trying to your best friend your best friend is your unconscious its soul its role is to keep you alive and secondarily quality of life but it could be telling you you have pancreatic cancer but the dream the seed of the dream 
starts as the pancreatic cancer. Think of an analogy of a snowball, pristine snowball on the top of a mountain. And then in the dream, whether it's 20 minutes or two hours when you're in delta and coming up in the alpha as you awaken, as the snowball rolls down the hill, it picks up all this debris and detritus and crap and junk. And that's all the thoughts, that stuff you have to process, your divorce and all the stuff. That, and it gets, and, and the, 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 your pancreatic cancer idea gets lost in all of that. But as a remote viewer, just come to me and say, Ed, I, I keep having this dream and this battle. Said, okay. You know, Jeff's recurring battle dream slash, we qualify it with dream C. And now remote viewers, technical remote, remote view the origin of that dream. And now we come back and say, hey, you have cancer. In fact, it's pancreatic cancer. But you created, you, you turned it into a battle because dreams are so mucked up. You know, we have so much to process, uh, mo- most humans, that it gets all junk. What fascinates me is some people will say that they don't dream at all. No, that's true. That's true. In fact, uh, uh, many of my new students who came to my work, many of my workshops, uh, many of them did, never dreamed. I, and I, I was I was surprised to find this out, but I tell them, you know, after today, after one day in this workshop, mm-hmm. you'll start dreaming, wow. because it opens up technical remote viewing. You know, opens up this aperture where now you have access to your unconscious, and you didn't before. And so it, it, those days of non-dreaming are over once you begin to learn technical remote viewing. It's, it's an interesting uh, spinoff tangentially speaking, of empaths who, who it, that you can, an empath can pick up all the emotions of somebody on the street in New York City as they're walking down Manhattan or whatever. And that's a curse. That's not a blessing. Dude. So empaths, you know, who are like that and are, are plagued by that kind of thing, when they learn remote viewing, they learn to separate. In fact, we must be able to do this to separate their own feelings from somebody else's or an, an animal, for instance. They've got to be able to do that to effectively complete a remote viewing session. And once they learn that, all these people that, that have, you know, been plagued by this as empaths, you know, picking up on everybody's emotion, that's gone. They learn how to separate their own from somebody else. Do you think that's one of the biggest obstacles in remote viewing is separating, like you said before, your imagination from the viewing? Well, well empaths are different. Here you're dealing with an emotional state, an emotional factor. But in terms of learning remote viewing, the imagination is our enemy. But we can't, we can't try to, uh, to push it away throughout the session. We, uh, I won't get too technical here. But we have to accommodate it because you can't shut it down. You can't stop it. So we have to learn how to recognize, you know, when it's operative and when it's not, when it's sitting back and when it's active, when it creates something that's yellow and soft into a banana, where in fact it was a cancer cell in somebody's breast, then you, know, you we have to learn when our imagination is active, but we can't, we shunt it. And we manage it sort of like a, your, your drunk uncle that comes to a family reunion. you got to invite him and you know what he's going to do. But he's, you know, Uncle Willie has to be there anyway. So we manage imagination. And in certain states, very, very rarely, though, we actually invite it in to help us out in one stage of uh, remote viewing. Uh, but it's not common. Uh, usually we say, thank, if we do that, we say, thank you very much and slam the door shut on it again, but it's going to come back. And we as re- professionals have to re- have to know when that's there. So the question is when I, people film me and a camera wise, how do you know your data is correct at the end of the session? I said, because I was in remote viewing structure. I, I, the sheet music, I played that music. I didn't stop and I didn't think. That's how I know I'm right. So it's very systematic, very rigorous, very systematic. It's not fun. Well, it's the, the answers to questions are fun and exciting, but you cannot allow uh, uh, any bias, no e- ego. I have a big ego. But when I remote view, that, that better be out the door, you know, because you can't allow your ego or your preconceived notions about a target 
to be there. Uh, I, let's say I'll give you a minor note, a real world example. Portland, uh, Oregon, there was a case in Oregon where the cops said, Ed, this girl was murdered and thrown out of a car on the side of the road. So we, we, we know she's dead. But the way she died, you know, we don't go in there considering a murder. Long story short, high school girl who was riding in the car with, with her friends and she overdosed and the kids panicked and threw her out of the car. That's not a murder. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing we do. Wow. Precision. After you left the Army program, you started your own matrix intelligence agency. And I believe you were doing things like finding missing people. Can you tell us about that? I think uh, it, rather than tell you, your viewers can just go over to, uh, I have a community where I teach, a teaching forum. It's not majordamesnews.com uh, where where I, I have big announcements that are important to a, a large number of people. This is only for my remote viewing community and my students and my professionals. If you go to learnrv.com and you go into the community, and you'll see right away everything everything I'm doing. For instance, uh, three days ago, I just came back from Winnemucca, uh, Nevada. I live in the Sacramento area on a, a cold case where two elderly people were killed by a serial killer, actually two killers. And uh, I was there to recon the areas so I can track down their bodies. I already know where the killer lives, where the killers live. But I need I need the evidence. I need the bodies first before uh, I do anything about that. So you can see all that, the current work in terms of those things. But uh, I'm shifting, I'm gravitating almost completely now away from crime cases uh, into uh, contact, which I have 30 years of background in. And uh, that will most that will start next week with a, a, a Bigfoot uh, contact uh, reconnaissance and the, the lesson uh, Volcano National Par uh, Park area in, in California. And that's a, that's a long involved story, but um, contact is still, I think it's imperative that we have contact. The, the background there was, I wanted, uh, we had contact to CE2s. We, I used the military team in the size spy unit to find a place, a hot zone in the United States. And we found one using remote viewing. And that was Chaco Canyon, New Mexico. So we went out there on a number of surveys and expeditions, and yes, we're having flybys. So in the end, I got to put together a team of the best scientists and engineers in this country, Hal Putoff, uh, folks from the Skunk Works and all that. And the Crown Prince Lichtenstein sponsored us, Hans-Adam von Lichtenstein. He paid for the, for the expedition and all the equipment all, all on, and, and our trip. In fact, he was out there with me quietly because – he was one of the youngest billionaires in the world at the time. Many people would have loved to kidnap him. Yeah. So only yeah. only the princess and uh, the Swiss embassy, Lichtenstein didn't have its own embassy, knew that he was in the country with us on this UFO quest. So we had flybys, but we didn't have a CE3 or any a direct contact. And uh, I, you know, I had to I had to figure out why. I had the user mobility to figure out why we didn't have a tete-a-tete, the coffee clash with the agency out there. And by agency, I mean this. Because our limit, our resources are limited, we've got to punch through these, these lines. And we can't spread ourselves thin across a broad defensive position, so to speak. We've got to punch through somewhere. And what I decided to do, the place I decided to punch through was this. In 1994, at the Ariel School outside of Harare, Zimbabwe, there was an event, very famous event. Uh, uh, John Mack, the late John Mack, was in, in uh, South Africa at the time, flew up to interview the kids that were involved in this event. I got to see the original 35-millimeter uh, uh, stuff, uh, uh, tapes and all this. And you can find, now find this. All these kids are grown now. They're adults. You can find all these reports and, the, and their statements on the internet. Just look up for Ariel School, uh, Harari, Zimbabwe, and you'll find all, all of this information. Uh, so here the kids were on the, uh, on the basketball court at lunchtime, and the middle schoolers were on one side of the court. The, the, uh, the, the high schoolers were on another side. All of a sudden, the middle schoolers, I think there were about 20 of them, 
they they stop. They look into the savannas where the kids weren't supposed to go because there were hyenas and snakes, and they walk out. And the older kids playing basketball didn't think much of it. And these kids come back with this story. You read all that there. And I thought, this is where I'm going to make make breakthrough here. I'm going to I'm going to use a full court press, use all the professional remote viewers and all the uh, techniques and methods that we don't, and find out all I can about this agency that orchestrated that event. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether whether they were projecting or whatever they were doing, but they did it for a reason. And I wanted to find out what. For instance, they picked school children, a school and children. Children are our future. The Earth's future, mankind's future. And I, I said, this. I want to know who these guys are. Who did this? What was the outside agency that orchestrated this? I mean, they had to, they had to use resources, and even if they're 500 billion years ahead of us, they're still doing it for a reason. So I decided to punch through there, and and that got me what I needed. It, it, it got me for me to remove you what their protocols are for contact, not what we think they are, right? What their protocols are. By all the Project Blue Book hypotheses about what, what they, they didn't work. But remote viewing, nothing can hide from that. There are no secrets, right? Whether you're a fugitive or ED, no future. And these aren't ETs, by the way, something else. But to to use remote viewing to look at what it would require for them to meet. Well, it was simply remote viewing, a higher consciousness tool, not an inferior thought system. But remote viewing tools are consciousness tools. It happens to be the lingua franca for all of the different. I mean, our galaxy is, is teeming with life, but all these forms of life are different. I mean, my God, we can't even communicate with females as a, a homo sapiens species, right? Yeah. So, much less dolphins. And I've done dolphin projects before. But consciousness is still the lingua franca. It's still whether somebody looks, I mean, the Gary Larson cartoon about the, the Frisbees came to Earth armed with all the secrets of the universe. Mm-hmm. Melvin came armed with his 308, you know, that kind of thing. Because they look different. And it's fear, fear of the unknown, right? Uh, that's a big one. The biggest fear is death for, for humans because it's the great unknown too. So uh, you know, you have, we have to overcome our fears of, as remote viewing, uh, which is sometimes difficult to do, especially in the military when we're looking at battles. Uh, what 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 went down? So what 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 I do is use remote viewing to look at their protocols for contact, direct contact, and I did that and it worked. So it, essentially, they're saying if you if you go here. We'll meet you rather than us chasing UFOs or, gee, what happened over here? We, as remote viewers, we can reconstruct those things. But I want contact because remote viewing is hard work. It's better to sit down with them and let them educate us. So the, uh, the Bigfoot phenomenon, Sasquatch, is directly connected with the system. Sasquatch is not what you think it is. They're downloaded from a technology that we cannot understand, and they're uploaded back up. And when they're back up, uploaded, they do not look like gorillas. There's something very, very different. So all of this over the years, particularly the last oh, 100 years, has been presented by that system out there as a conundrum, a problem to be solved. But it can't be solved with intellectual reasoning. It's, you have to use higher consciousness tools to do it precision tools to do it. So they've actually encouraged the development of evolution from us as homo sapiens, the, the, the sentient man, the homo noeticus, the knowing man. We're too far balanced, materi- off balance materially. We've forgotten all about the, the for instance, the, some of the things that we do as advanced professional technical remote viewers I've probably been done before as yoga cities a thousand years ago. They just, the knowledge has been lost. That's all. But they didn't have to apply it in a technical environment. The Oracle at Delphi could say, oh, General Horatio, the enemy plans on flanking you from the West and then coming up from the rear. Oh, thank you very much. But they they didn't have to find the hydrogen leak on the space shuttle. Or where's the oxygen leak on on Biosphere 2, like we did. Or or what's going on with the ozone uh, layer, like Lawrence Rockefeller asked to do. They didn't have to do that. So this tool, technical remote viewing, solves that problem. It goes, it, it, it's for a world today where, where 
mechanisms are, are, are prevalent. I hope I didn't overload you. No, you're great. Is it possible to remote view targets like Pumakpunku, uh, the pyramids, some of these ancient places and see what really happened there? Interesting things happen in certain places like in, in, at the Mayan, some of the Mayan temples. When a, a remote viewer, even in, the, in even in the intermediate stages of training, if they remote view some of these pyramids, there's an, actually some type of an energetic connection uh, between the apex of the pyramid and up. And we don't know what that is. Uh, maybe the Mayans did, uh, but we don't understand it. But yeah, you, we can, remote viewing is outside of time. It's outside of time. Mind is outside of time. Mm-hmm. So we can remote view anything in the past, and we can look into the future. That's why when I talk about public, so many years about the kill shot, this solar event that's going to really do the damn damage to us. We were looking ahead at a great uh, at an event that would harm a great deal of people. We we wanted to look at future wars, but this event, kill shot event, so-called uh, eclipses, the number of people that will be harmed uh, uh, in the future. But we can look at the past, too. For instance, uh, one of my favorite examples, suppose, uh, and this is a real-world example, uh, too. Suppose a paleobotanist comes to me with a piece of a plant material and a, fo- a fossil and asks us to remote view that. We can spend several days remote viewing that particular fossil piece and, and, and recreate exactly what it looked like. We can cut through it and see if it had phloem or xylem tubes, if it was carnivorous, all that, where it lived, the environment, those kinds of – its life cycle, seeds or flowers. We can do all that. But if the paleobotanist says to us, when did it live, we can't do it because we don't know where we are in time. If I remote view you, I have to specify when, now, present time. Otherwise, I pick you up from a neotenate state to death, you know, because mine's outside of time. So we have to employ, in those cases, cases like that, temporal qualifiers, past, present, now, most recent, those kinds of things. Right, yeah, because I, I don't think remote viewing's like a prophecy. You have to interject time in there, right? Oh, we have to be exact People say, hey, Ed, why didn't you predict 9-11? They say, because we weren't looking there. Right. Remote viewing, you're, look, you're specifying what the target is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the factory, the, your, your glasses, the, the truck that brought them in. We want the information about the truck because that truck was involved in a hit-and-run case or, or something like that. Or the factory that produced the glasses. Or where the silica, what, what plant did the silica that made the glass come from? Was it New Mexico? Was it Russia? This kind of thing. We can do all that. And so because we can, you can know anything, this is a life-changing experience is when you learn remote viewing or on the subject, uh, the Learn RV DVDs uh, that I'll, I'll point to later, people are interested in actually learning this, then those DVDs can, can do that for them right up through the intermediate uh, stages. Uh, that's because we can know anything and life is short, then you really have to question yourself. You know, Louisa May Alcott, when her suitors came, who wrote Little Women, the classic, I don't think that's, I think that's banned now by academia. I won't go there. So anyway, when her suitors approached, because she's pretty, and one of the things she would advise them is that you only have time to read so much in life. So, uh, you know, you pick 100 books, only 100 books and, and of the best classics and science uh, and uh, 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 to read because life is too short to waste with, all, with junk, stuff like that. So we have to uh, apply a similar uh, uh, inquisition to ourselves and say, okay, what do I really want to know? And for me, uh, uh, it, it, it's missing children for, for the obvious pulls the heartstrings and, and child murders. I had to get that out of the way. But the, the key is contact. I, I, I firmly believe that we're going down as a planet. I predicted the economic collapse way back when Art Bell. But we're, we're committing ecocide, and we are going down as a species, period. There's no ifs and. And I think that we need guidance, and uh, outside guidance. But we have to ask for it. We have to ask for it. They're not going to land in the White House long. Because if they do, whoever they are, and I know who they are, then we're going to say, hey, 
Can you solve our deforestation problem? Can you solve our disease problems? And if they don't, if you're not, you're not our friends, you must be our enemies. So they're, they're, they're coaxing us to evolve. I, I feel strongly that the, the, the most evolved races in this neck of the woods, these, part, these galaxies around us, I feel strongly that they can't evolve unless they bootstrap. You're only as strong as your weakest link. We knew that in the infantry. You know, the, don't bribe, bribe Snuffy over here and you have to watch out for him because sometimes he hangs behind while you're assaulting the enemy and he shoots you in the back. Don't do that. So you're only as strong as your weakest link. And, and if, 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 if galaxies evolve, all of the creatures in, in, in the galaxy are, are subject to evolution, uh, going back, uh, uh, evolving, then they have to bootstrap wisely the lower the lower links. Then they can't interfere, as Gene Roddenberry would know. The prime directive would homogenize all of the creature, all of the intelligent life in the universe, you know, into one, yeah, just just one one channel of evolution, uh, and that would uh, that would be tyranny. On the spiritual scale, I suppose, and philosophizing that. Elon Musk has his company called Neuralink, and I think what he's trying to do is basically hook your brain up direct into the internet. And I think he'll say that if AI happens and once it's done, the human race, there's no need for humans anymore, and we may be eliminated. So we need this. What is your take on that? I'm a simple man. I, I, of course, I know about what's going on out there. I used to brief DARPA and the president directly about certain things. So I, I'm, I'm up to speed on what people are intending to do. And um, it's not my job. It, it's not, not something I'm, I should be concerned with on my watch. On our children's watch, they have to be concerned with it. But it's not something I, I, I just don't have any uh, opinions there. Uh, AI can be very dangerous on the battlefield. I mean, come on. I was a soldier. I was, you know, way up at the top. And uh, General Schwarzkopf, for instance, I was the man in black. He had to do exactly what I told him to do in Desert Storm uh, because I had battle plans at the strategic level. And my, uh, I'm not supposed to say this because I got, I got dinged on it coast to coast, but my wet dream would be, uh, to have AI that would kill, just kill, without killing my soldiers, kill everybody, all my enemy on the battlefield. That's a dream come true, right? Well, uh, it's certainly not consistent with human evolution, uh, as I feel, but that's that's the logic that we had. Screw the uh, the whales and all that. I was a member of Greenpeace, but anyway, let's get it. Screw the whales. Screw the civilians. Here's the mission. But one of the one of the things that the Russians had was a weapon. I, I can't, it's very highly classified. But when they used it, it blew about 1% of the Earth's atmosphere into space forever. It's lost, gone. So it's worse than a nuclear weapon. Yeah. And so we wanted to duplicate that. I said, don't do it, man. I said, I don't care how, how many clearances I have and how far above top secret I am. You ain't doing this to my planet. Because I remote view Gaia, the idea of Gaia. Some other time, I'll, uh, I'll tell you because we can't understand the earth itself or Jupiter, which is uh, has a consciousness all their own. They're aware. And uh, it, so our remote viewing data is all metaphor and uh, all metaphor, but it uh, is the earth crying out for help. And the help is coming in the form of uh, eradicating a good deal of the cancer on the surface of the earth that the earth is no longer has the wherewithal to, to manage. And that's coming from the sun sooner than we think. So we're, that's why I say that, that a, a contact is very necessary. Now, what that means in terms of the future of man is that yes, many, many millions of people are going to die, but how to preserve, how does a system out there preserve the rest of man? That's the kind of guidance uh, that we need. And while I'm on the subject, it's important uh, to note that there will never be a nuclear slugfest. When I was a kid, we had to practice all this stuff to get on your desk at school, you know, drills. 
There will never be ever a nuclear slugfest. This is not our garden. It belongs to in species, all of the species, all of the species. And we're not going to be allowed to destroy it. Hiroshima and Nagasaki, yes. Here's the consequences of what you do when you do that. But there will never be a nuclear slugfest. You know why? Because that system out there that's based in seamounts, particularly the Pukau Seamount, 100 miles nominally to the uh, uh, west-northwest of Easter Island, that system that orchestrated the Ariel event, they know where every nuclear weapon is, whether it's in storage, on a boomer, whatever. They know where everyone is. And just like they showed us up there in uh, uh, North Dakota, they can shut everyone down whenever they want. They're not going to allow us to destroy this planet. It is not just humans that are present here too. And they live here as well. They're in, they're in, they're interdimensionals. I'm not saying there's not inter, in, uh, uh, extraterrestrials out there, but all the tic tacs and things like that that you see in the news, mm-hmm. they're all based on, in seamounts deep under the sea. Just like the idea of James Cameron's the abyss, that that, that idea crossover. They're in these seamounts, and and they are they have exotic technologies. I use the term technology loosely, but they're in these seamounts. And uh, they're the ones that are producing all these things, you know, these kinds of things. And they're also capable of shutting down all, our, all of our nukes, uh, the, the warheads th- themselves. I want to mention this, that you have a book out called Tell Me What You See, Remote Viewing Cases from the World's Premier Psychic Spy. And I believe that book is some of the anecdotes of when you were back in the military project. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. It talks about it. Some things that it doesn't talk about are things that now the CIA has finally released. And all of your viewers uh, can see all these files that have been released. The operations haven't been released, but all the training files and all of the UFO stuff that's been released was on my as, – as a training officer, I got away with that. Because at that time, we had no charter. The Department of Defense had no charter or license to study UFOs and those kinds of things. But as a training officer, not just an operations officer, at the Defense Intelligence Agency, I could, tra- I could use whatever I want. So you'll see my initials on all those released uh, documents oh, wow. from Mel Riley and some of them are fascinating. The Galactic Federation headquarters, this UFO, that UFO, those kinds of things. But as operations, those weren't released. For instance, uh, a drug shipment coming in where the DE, we had we had clients, U.S. Uh, the intelligence uh, assistant director for intelligence, Army, all the services, the uh, defense, uh, the uh, DEA. Drug Enforcement Agency, Coast Guard, these were our clients. They would come to us for where there was an intractable problem, which is why I took over the unit as ops and training officer. Because I was, as a bio, this nation's key biological warfare defense uh, uh, effort, I briefed at the White House, the president, these kinds of things. I could still not penetrate by hook or by crook using all my stuff, satellites, spies on the ground, all kinds of still classified things. Uh, signal intelligence, electronic intelligence, and lots of other things. I couldn't penetrate these top-secret Russian programs. But the remote viewing unit could, right? I said, that's it. I'm not like a kid in the candy store. And I stepped down from celestial levels of Office of Secretary of Defense to take over. And I said, okay, here we go. And uh, so one example of an operation would be uh, when the Coast Guard said, uh, we think that this ship, this vessel, is carrying drugs, but when uh, and we want to board it in international waters, which is against the law, but what the heck, uh, <clears throat> close enough for government work, that we want to board the ship, but we, we don't know where the drugs are. We highly suspected it was loaded. So the remote viewers, what we did was remote view where on that ship the drugs were. First of all, we didn't assume that they were there, but we found them because they're novel. They're out of context. And novelty in experimental psychology, experimental psychologists know that novelty acts as a stimulus. So we go right to the drugs. Well, they were welded inside the bulkhead, right? Wow. So the Coast Guard hops on the ship, stops the ship, hops on. <clears throat> they have uh, they have an, an arc welder and cut, up, cut open uh, uh, the bulkhead and reveal all this heroin. 
And so the cartel head feels that they have no idea that, that, you know, psychics were used, psychic spies were used. So they felt they had an inside informant and started grilling uh, all their, you know, now they're spooked because they don't know if somebody on the inside who's divulging the information. That's just one operation, type of operation we did. All the others were missing uh, hostage situations. Terry Waite, Terry Anderson, Colonel Higgins, those, those people where we were asked to remove where they were, under what conditions, their state of being or non-being. We couldn't do it because uh, we couldn't locate them. We had no, we could, if you give us Cartesian coordinates, we can be right there, right there remote viewing those coordinates. But we couldn't do the obverse, what in land navigation is termed a resection. It took me 20 years to solve that problem. So now, you know, now we can do it. But back then, all we could do was describe very accurately, the situation of uh, the hostage or the terrorist, but we couldn't locate them. Where in the Middle East are they? As it, we could, but by the time, for instance, uh, uh, we were tasked with uh, killing Muammar Gaddafi at one, in the first Libyan war. So my job was to find him so the Delta Force, at that time it was blue light, uh, progenitor of Delta, could kill him or we could drive a bomb on him. But he surrounded himself with, with children, so... At that time, we walked the high road, the moral high, high ground. We wouldn't have done that. The Israelis would have done it for us. We subcontracted them out. But as remote viewers, by the time my team had the location, Omar Gaddafi, it took two days with a lot of work looking for recognizable obstacles, uh, uh, recognizable uh, structures, man-made or natural, so we can compare them on a map. Then we could finally say, okay, he's here. But he had moved, the shell game type of thing. So in the, uh, uh, in the end, uh, he got to live uh, until he decided to use uh, gold as uh, instead of the petrodollar. And then, yeah. What would you say inspires you the most about the work that you do with remote viewing? It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I've said, uh, the matrix itself that, 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 we, that we use in our work, at first, in the, in the old days, I thought it was like a library where you just go in and pull a certain book that you need. But then it started to do things like like the idea of you might also be interested in this type of thing when we do an Internet search. You may also be interested in this. It started to do that. Say, hey, it's like a librarian. But later on, I realized uh-uh, it's a teacher. It's something out, the, out there is teaching us, developing us. Uh, and but you have it has to be done with, in a very systematic way and a very structured way. And we have the capability to do it. I, God knows how what else we have in terms of human potential. Humans are amazing. But there has to be a structure there. For instance, uh, com- uh, well, if we compare a lo- learning a language as a child, uh, we, especially in the age around two, we're developing the, of the ability to acquire a language really fast. A kid that's taught at that age can be a polyglot very easily if they're they're taught during those formative years. But there has to be a structure. There has to be a structure there, English, Chinese, uh, German, or whatever. Otherwise, we can never communicate other than clicks and grunts and gobbledygooks or hand signals. But that structure of the language that we learn allows us to communicate effectively and and communicate the, the, the blueprints for this spaceship to another one, to another person. Those kinds of things. So what was the, what was discovered at Stanford Research Institute in the seventies was this, uh, especially driving force was the, was Ingo Swan, of course, the father of remote viewing. I dedicate my book to him, to him in the U.S. Army. He discovered a syntax and grammar as a as a psychic, a world class psychic. He studied himself. How am I able to do this? And that's what developed into this structure which evolved now into technical remote viewing. I, um, there's much more I could say about that, of course, but we need a few years. Well, and speaking on that, I'm running out of time. So uh, let's go here. I'm running out of the beer. And you're running out of beer. Do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you want us to know about? Yes. Yes, I do. It's, it's the big one. It's the acumen of my career. It's Sasquatch. Mm. I told you about what Sasquatch is. It isn't what you think. 
Bigfoot is not what you think. You go into the literature and people will say, hey, there was this thing in the sky and then there was a Sasquatch. Well, yeah, that's what we're dealing with. And that's uh, it. I'm going up to meet not Sasquatch, although that would be fun because I'm bringing cameras and, and all this electronic gear and stuff like that. But they find you. You know, they find you. If they want, and, and that this time, because I, because I met one of the key criteria for for higher consciousness, the way they perceive it in humans, and their protocols for contact, because I met that, they have no choice. The system has no choice in terms of carrot and the stick. They must respond. They must respond. And when they do, and when there is contact, and I, there's things that I wish that would happen when that happens, get into a minute, then the relationship between that system that orchestrated the school event and, and Bigfoot, the relationship between us and the system changes forever. The curtain is now pulled back on the wizard and everything changes forever. So that's what I would like to, uh, you know, I'm going next week in my first expedition and, and I expect it to be successful this month and next month and then progress. What I would like, instead of just taking pictures of stuff, mm-hmm. what I would like for them to do is a mini, this is my hope, a mini day the earth stood still type of an event where they communicate with me. The Bigfoots are psychic. The system is psychic. They don't need to talk, as you, as you probably know. Uh, where they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take this uh, a destroyer that's parked here in Long Beach. We're going to shut down all of, of its weapon systems or whatever. A mini day of the earth stood still, right? And then for me to communicate with people like you and say, okay, here's what they told me and, you know, telepathically. Here's what they, they've decided to do based upon our first meeting. They're going to do that. Then when that happens, if it happens, when that happens, now I have an audience. Now I have a real audience. Okay, what else do you know about them? So all the deep state, all the military, industrial community, they're going to cower because there's nothing they can do about that system now. Nothing at all. No matter how much money you have or how powerful you are, there's nothing they can. And that's why they're so afraid of conduct. In fact, look at the release stuff. Released last week, DOD is using it to get more money for defensive and offensive weapons. Saying, "Oh, it must be Soviet. It must be the. It must be Russian. It must be. Or even the ETs. We need better weapons." Is that evolution? I don't think so. That's not homoeticus. I hope we can get you back when you've done some of this research and you can follow up and tell us about what you're finding. Unless they vaporize me. Well, I don't. Because I, I could be wrong. I, I do not. I I am going up there with only all, no expectations. I don't know what's going to happen. Although I know something is going to happen, but I don't know what. However, because you, we're talking about something, you know, let's say nominally five hundred million years ahead of us or more. Okay, so you know we're the apes in two thousand one. I'm going up there with two things. I I, I wanted to, I want to learn. I'm going to start with two questions: Who are you, and who are we? And take it from there, and just. Be a good student. Yeah. I recently read that aliens want nothing to do with us because we're a fallen species. No, we're not a fallen species, but we're inferior species. And we're treated like children because we act like children. There are fallen angels. I I believe they're fallen angels. I can't prove it. But it's not us. No, we're not a fallen species. We're a species that has the potential to... Incredible potential, but, but there, there's, there's, there's this idea: evil is real. Um, it's just it's 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 eating us up. Have you ever remote viewed other world leaders or leaders of countries? You don't have to say names. And do you ever see some kind of consistency with them, like why they all do the things they do? You know, plunder the earth and keep everybody. Yeah, down? and two. Yeah, yeah, and two. Uh, yes, yes. Um, this idea of, uh, yeah, I got to, I have to watch myself. I have to watch, I have to be careful here because I get, I can get in trouble. Uh, me and my family can be in, in danger if I, if I, if I cross the wrong. For instance, when I was a spy master, I was backstopped 
I could go to Guatemala or Costa Rica. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a professional bird watcher. I mean, I'm, I'm a birder. And I can go on my cover. My own cover could be as a birder. But even though I was, I was using agents to spy for me. But I had a cover. I had a backstop. And it's, I had a real office and all this kind of stuff. The same way spies do, right? I mean, that's what we do. But when I got out of the service, I didn't have that anymore. I have my own intelligence agency, the Matrix Development Agency, but it's not backstop. So I'm not going to do something stupid. Like look at the transshipment center for the Kali cartels heroin shipments in Guatemala and, and publicize that because uh, I'll be gone very fast. Uh, it only costs $10,000 to pay a, a you know Colombian kid to knock you off uh, if they can get into the country, which, of course, our border is so sealed they can't. But anyway, so I don't do things like that. But in terms of this global, I can't even mention the name. But yes, there's a system out there. There's a system out there. Part of it is the Soldatensbund. Those 17 submarines that were that left with Adolf Hitler in World War II and, and were beached off Argentinian coast, they, they possessed the records of... Interpol. Well, Interpol was a bunch of French partisans, right? That started Interpol, but they were Nazi sympathizers at, at, and they were owned by the Nazis. And the Nazis took all their dossiers with them and, and, and praying, you know, hoping one day to start the Fourth Reich. And Hitler was with them too, Ava Braun. We've remote viewed the location of Hitler's grave and Ava Braun's, not in the same place in, in, in Uruguay, Uruguay. So they. They really, but in this this dark web, can control, you know, by a, 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 all kinds of, of means. They they ha- they possess control because they're ensconced. A good example would be when Father Malachi Martin and I used to talk about this. The the this idea of the evil is is in the center of the Vatican, and it always points out, points that way, that way. But in, and nothing's looking back at itself. So it ensconced itself in, in, a, in, a, in a domain that's very powerful. The same way that these, these ex, well, these Nazis, the Sudanis, formed a worldwide thing where, where they controlled people via blackmail, particularly blackmail. But if you don't cotton up to the blackmail, they'll tell you out, just like that. So for me to identify those people with these suicides on my part, even talking about them is not a good thing, but, uh, but they exist too. And if you remote view the concept of uh, the Antichrist, that concept, the Antichrist, mm-hmm. it, the Antichrist is, is, is a, a, a millennial idea that's real. And each age, each era, there's a different person that maintains that, uh, that gestalt, that zeitgeist among them. And, the, and, and we, we have periodically taking a look at this, say, who is carrying this particular idea? It's not DNA, it's just an idea. So we've looked at that too, but there's nothing I can do about that. So I, I only want to engage in things that I, to maximize and prioritize the rest of the time I have left as a, a professional remote viewer to make sure that my kids, my grandchildren are in that federation. I want them in. Jeff, I want my grandkids in that federation. I definitely need to get you back because I need to talk about that. But before we go here, is there one master website where people can find your books, your videos, your learning DVDs and stuff? And if so, what is that? Uh, Majordamesnews.com. All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message that you want to give everybody? I have one. I have a remote viewing session that I want to, I briefly said that, 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 uh, to show you how, when we think we're smart, we're, we're not. I gave uh, somebody I loved, uh, a who's deceased now, a female. I gave her a session after I trained her. Uh, uh, it was her birthday, and I used a topical search, not a where's the murder weapon. It's a topical search uh, because I thought it would result in something that would be halcyon and beautiful. And the search term, the topical search. Those of you who are remote viewers know what topical search is. God's infinite love. And I, I gave that to her as a blind target. She didn't know what the target was. 
So my office was in Beverly Hills and it's two hours and she's not out of there, her birthday. And I open the door and I look in and she's splayed out on the couch with, with at least 45 pages of, of bond, bond paper on the table. That's how long she had been working this. And she says to me, I thought you loved me. Why would you give me a target like this? And I said, okay. And I looked at the data and that week was the week that John Lacey was going to old Sparky, the electric chair. John Lacey was a serial murderer, and uh, he was sentenced to, to, to death. So she had her site template at the end of all of this comes together and combines into an idea or site template. She had a drawing of John Lacey walking toward old Sparky. And I thought to myself, okay, God's infinite love. God's, and I got infinite. I said infinite love. It extends even to a monster like that. So, you know, the, it, as, as the pro, you know, the world's foremost remote viewing teacher, it's, you learn, you, you keep on learning, you learn all the time. Yeah. That's what the matrix is. That's amazing. The, the matrix, the font from whence all form arises is what my teacher, Ingo Swan, father of remote viewing, called it. Can you say that again? The font? The matrix is the font from whence all form arises. And you have to look up the word form because form is, uh, a bit, uh, is very specific in terms of mathematics and, and language and, and, uh, and philosophy. All right, Major Dames, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing and have a great evening. Thanks. The pleasure is mine, Jeff. Hope to talk to you again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.